Chapter four part thirteen of famous stories every child should know This is a LibriVox recording all LibriVox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer Please visit LibriVox.org Famous stories every child should know edited by Hamilton Wright maybe chapter four part thirteen Undine by Friedrich Baron de Lamotte folk part 13 how they lived in the castle of ringstetten as he who relates this tale is moved to the heart by it and hopes that it may affect his readers too he entreats of them one favor namely that they will bear with him while he passes rapidly over a long space of time and be content if he barely touches upon what happened therein he knows well that some would relate in great detail step by step how huldbrand's heart began to be estranged from undine and drawn toward bertalda while she cared not to disguise from him her ardent love and how between them the poor injured wife came to be rather feared than pitied and when he showed her kindness a cold shiver would often creep over him and send him back to the child of earth bertalda all this the author knows might be dwelt upon nay perhaps it ought to be so but his heart shrinks from such a task for he has met with such passages in real life and cannot even abide their shadows in his memory perhaps gentle reader such feelings are known to thee also for they are the common lot of mortal man well is thee if thou hast felt not inflicted these pangs in these cases it is more blessed to receive than to give as such recollections wake up from their cells they will but cast a soft shade over the past and it may be the thought of thy withered blossoms once so fondly loved brings a gentle tear down thy cheek enough of this we will not go on to pierce our hearts with a thousand separate arrows but content ourselves with saying that so it happened in the present instance poor undine drooped day by day and the others were neither of them happy bertalda especially was uneasy and ready to suspect the injured wife whenever she fancied herself slighted by huldbrand meantime she had gradually assumed the command in the house and the deluded huldbrand supported her openly undine looked on in meek resignation to increase the discomfort of their lives there was no end to the mysterious sights and sounds that haunted huldbrand and bertalda in the vaulted galleries of the castle such as had never been heard of before the long white man too well known to him as uncle colborn and to her as the spirit of the fountain often showed his threatening countenance to both but chiefly to bertalda who had more than once been made ill by the fright and thought seriously of leaving the castle but her love for huldbrand detained her and she quieted her conscience by thinking that it had never come to a declaration of love between them and besides she would not have known which way to turn after receiving the lord of ringstetten's message that bertalda was with them the old fisherman had traced a few lines scarcely legible from infirmity and long disuse saying i am now a poor old widower for my dear good wife is dead but lonely as i am by my fireside i had rather bertalda stayed away than come here provided she does not harm my dear undine my curse be upon her if she does 
Bertalda scattered these last words to the winds, but treasured up her father's command that she should not join him, as is the way with us selfish beings. One day, when Huldbrand had just ridden out, Undine sent for her servants, and desired them to fetch a large stone, and carefully to stop up the mouth of the magnificent fountain, which played in the center of the court. The men objected that they must then always go down the valley to a great distance for water. Undine smiled mournfully. It grieves me to add to your burdens, my good friends, said she. I had rather go and fill my pitcher myself, but this fountain must be sealed up. Trust me, nothing else will do, and it is our only way of escaping a much worse evil. The servants rejoiced at any opportunity of pleasing their gentle mistress. Not a word more was said, and they lifted the huge stone. They had raised it, and were about to let it down on the mouth of the spring, when Bertolda ran up, calling out to them to stop. The water of this fountain was the best for her complexion, and she never would consent to its being stopped. But Undine, instead of yielding as usual, kept firmly, though gently, to her resolution. She said that it behooved her, as mistress of the house, to order all such matters as appeared best to her, and none but her lord and husband should call her to account. Look, oh, look, cried Bertolda, eagerly and angrily, how the poor bright water curls and writhes, because you would deprive it of every gleam of sunshine and of the cheerful faces of men, whose mirror it was created to be. In truth, the spring did writhe and bubble up wonderfully, just as if someone were trying to force his way through. But Undine pressed them the more to dispatch the work. Nor was there much need to repeat her commands. The household people were too glad at once to obey their gentle lady, and to mortify the pride of Bertalda, in spite of whose threats and wrath the stone was soon firmly fastened down on the mouth of the spring. Undine bent over it thoughtfully, and wrote on its surface with her delicate fingers. Something very hard and sharp must have been hidden in her hand, for when she walked away, and the others came up, they found all manner of strange characters on the stone, none of which were there before. When the knight came home that evening, Bertalda received him with tears and complaints of Undine. He looked sternly at his poor wife, who mournfully cast down her eyes, saying, however, with firmness, My lord and husband would not chide the meanest of his vassals without giving him a hearing, much less his wedded wife. Speak, then, what was your reason for this strange proceeding? said the knight with a frown. I would rather tell it to you quite alone, sighed Undine. You can say it just as well in Bertalda's presence, replied he. Yes, if thou requirest it, said Undine, but require it not. She looked so humble and so submissive in her touching beauty that the knight's heart was melted as by a sunbeam from happier days. He took her affectionately by the hand and led her to his own room, where she spoke to him as follows. You know that wicked Uncle Colborne, my dearest lord, and have often been provoked at meeting him about the castle. Bertalda, too, has often been terrified by him. No wonder he is soulless, shallow, and unthinking as a mirror in whom no feeling can pierce the surface. He has two or three times seen that you were displeased with me, that I and my childishness could not help weeping, and that Bertalda my chance to laugh at the same moment and upon this he builds all manner of unjust suspicions, and interferes unasked in our concerns. What is the use of my reproaching him? 
or repulsing him with angry words. He believes nothing that I say. A poor, cold life is his. How should he know that the sorrows and joys of love are so sweetly alike, so closely linked, that it is not in human power to part them? When a tear gushes out, a smile lies beneath, and a smile will draw the tears from their secret cells. She smiled through her tears in Huldbrand's face, and a warm ray of his former love shot through his heart. She perceived this, pressed closer to him, and with a few tears of joy she went on. As I found it impossible to get rid of our tormentor by words, I had nothing for it but to shut the door against him, and his only access to us was that fountain. He has quarrelled with the other fountain spirits in the surrounding valleys, and it is much lowered down the Danube, below the junction of some friends with the great river, that his power begins again. Therefore I stopped the mouth of our fountain, and inscribed the stone with characters which cripple the might of my restless uncle, so that he can no longer cross your path, or mine, or Bertalda's. Men can indeed lift the stone off as easily as ever. The inscription has no power over them. So you are free to comply with Bertalda's wish. But indeed she little knows what she asks. Against her the wild Culborn has a most particular spite, and if some of his forebodings were to come true, as they might, without her intending any harm, O oh, dearest, even thou wert not free from danger. Huldbrand deeply felt the generosity of his noble-minded wife, in so zealously shutting out her formidable protector, even when reviled by Bertalda for so doing. He clasped her fondly in his arms, and said with much emotion, The stone shall remain, and everything shall be done as thou wishest now and hereafter, my sweetest Undine. Scarce could she trust these words of love after so dreary an estrangement. She returned his caresses with joyful but timid gratitude, and at length said, My own dear love, as you are so exceedingly kind to me today, may I ask you to promise one thing? Herein you are like the summer. Is he not most glorious when he decks his brows with thunders and frowns upon us from his throne of clouds? So it is when your eyes flash lightning, it becomes you well although in my weakness I may often shed a tear at it. Only, if you would promise to refrain from it when we are sailing, or even near any water, for there you see my relations have a right to control me, they might relentlessly tear me from you in their wrath, fancying that there is an insult offered to one of their race, and I should be doomed to spend the rest of my life in the crystal palaces below, without ever coming to you, or if they did send me up again, oh, heaven, that would be far worse. No, no, my best beloved, you will not let it come to that, if you love your poor Undine. He solemnly promised to do as she asked him, and they returned to the saloon, quite restored to comfort and peace. They met Bertalda, followed by a few laborers whom she had sent for, and she said in a tone of bitterness that had grown common with her of late, so now your private consultation is over, and we may have the stone taken up. Make haste, you people, and do it for me. But Huldbrand, incensed at her arrogance, said shortly and decidedly, The stone shall not be touched. And he then reproved Bertalda for her rudeness to his wife, upon which the laborers walked off, exulting secretly, while Bertalda hurried away to her chamber, pale and disturbed. The hour of supper came and they waited in vain for Bertalda. A message was sent to her, 
the servants found her room empty and brought back only a sealed letter directed to the knight he opened it with trepidation and read i feel with shame that i am only a fisherman's daughter having forgotten it a moment i will expiate my crime in the wretched hut of my parents live happy with your beautiful wife undine was sincerely grieved she entreated huldbrand to pursue their friend at once and bring her back with him alas there was little need of entreaty his passion for bertalda returned with fresh violence he searched the castle all over asking everyone if they could tell him in what direction the fair one had fled he could discover nothing and now he had mounted his horse in the court and stood ready to set forth and try the route by which he had brought bertalda to the castle a peasant boy just then came up saying that he had met the lady riding toward the black valley like a shot the knight darted through the gate and took that direction without heeding undine's anxious cries from a window to the black valley oh not there huldbrand not there or take me with you for god's sake finding it vain to cry she had her white palfrey saddled in all haste and galloped after her husband without allowing anyone to attend her end of chapter four part thirteen